0: Nobody knows it better than we do. It is challenging on every level, and we all have to do it. Work is hard. Our jobs can be stressful and difficult. Aside from the work itself, there is the work environment, the office politics, and your coworkers that can make work even harder. And on top of all that is the drudgery of waking up early and going to the same place over and over again from morning until night, missing the sunshine, the Little League games, time with family, and trying to squeeze it all into the few days off. But it's never enough. Work is hard, but work is necessary. It is a chance to live out our faith, our patience, our gratitude, our work ethic. Work is a place for us to represent Christ and set an example. It isn't easy, but work is a chance to do our work as Christians.
1: Well, as you can see just from the little intro video there, we're still in the series Whistle While You Work. So, if you got your Bibles, the book of Ephesians is where we find ourselves. If you're a guest of ours, we're going verse by verse to this awesome letter written by Paul the Apostle. And let me go ahead and kind of uh, put you in a, a spirit of prayer, especially coming up this week. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to start a new series uh, about spiritual warfare. Man, I cannot wait to preach that. The Lord has taught me so much already. So, uh, it's kind of in me. I want to preach it this morning, but I want to be true to the text here and be in Ephesians chapter 6 and talk today about really being used by God in the workplace. And every person in here who has a job has an opportunity. And that opportunity is not simply to make money, not simply to pay your bills, but actually you have an opportunity to live as a missionary in the workplace. You know, we talked last week about the reality that as employees, whenever you get after it for God's glory and you really do give your best in the workplace, it builds a platform for you to then share the message of Jesus Christ. Well, today we're going to focus in on the supervisor's role or the manager's role, the boss's role, and see exactly. what the text has to say about managers in the workplace. A little different message than I've uh, typically preached, but man, I'm excited to be able to share with all of you basically how you can be a missionary in the workplace and also be a manager at the exact same time. Now, the relationships that kind of uh, boil up in the text of scripture that Paul talks about is the relationships between slaves and masters. Now, again, as I said last week, you know, Paul's not encouraging slavery. Paul just knows The reality is in that particular time frame, there were slaves who gave their heart to Christ. And so Paul says, listen, you're a slave and now you're a follower of Jesus. So now make sure you work as a slave in such a way that you represent the gospel. And he also knows that there are masters who have given their heart to faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result, now Paul is saying, listen, even as a master, make sure that changes how you treat other people. And we're going to discover this morning that that's what, you know, God really desires for those who are in supervisory roles uh, in the workplace today. Matter of fact, I uh, ran across several articles about bosses this past week, and I've kind of inserted some of them into the message here this morning. But let me, let me kind of throw this out to you. Uh, did you realize that Americans can't stand their bosses. Anybody here like that say amen? Yeah, don't say it if they're next to you, all right? But anyway, so uh, there's an article, that's, that's the title, Americans Cannot Stand Their Bosses. Half of all U.S. employees at some point in time in their career quit because of a boss. And that was after studying and questioning 7,000 people according to a Gallup poll. And they also found that only 35% of managers said they felt engaged in the job. So 35% actually feel like they are working and doing well. And then as I continued to read, I found that 51% of managers said they didn't feel engaged at all in the workplace. And then at the same time, and I thought this was interesting, 14% of managers in the workplace confessed that they actively tune out at work. Anybody got a boss like that? He just comes in, he's like, I don't want to do anything with this. So he's tuning out on purpose. It's interesting. Another article highlighted major reasons that people can't stand their bosses. They say their boss can't make a decision. They said their boss is a micromanager. So the boss is always kind of looking over the person's shoulder, making sure that they're doing every little thing to the T. And then it says the boss uh, plays favorites. And how about this one? The boss flaunts his or her success without giving credit to employees. And then I ran across some articles that taught how you could get your boss fired from the workplace. So if you'll get your pen out, I'm going to give these to you. No, I'm just kidding. But there was an article. I'm not sharing it with you. I'm afraid you'll apply that, all right, and be like, the preacher said. But uh, that's not the case. So Paul the Apostle now, he's talking about bosses. He's saying, listen, you as bosses really should live differently in the workplace. And as you do so, you're going to discover you have opportunity to witness for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to talk to you this morning about how to do that from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. So if you'll stand with me, and of God's word this morning. And you got your Bible there. Say amen. Amen. All right, so look at the scripture. The Bible says, and masters uh, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Just one verse this morning. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, I'm surprised, you know, and I shouldn't be, but every time I preach through a book of the Bible, I find myself preaching on things I never thought I'd preach about. And God, preaching on the workplace is not something that I ever thought about preaching on. But Lord, I thank you that the word speaks to every single aspect of our lives. And you give us instruction. You've not left us kind of wondering how we should be living. But God, you have left us with clear biblical principles for how we should live in the workplace. God, we pray this morning for those who are managers, those who are supervisors, those who have a leadership role in the place where they work throughout the week. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would use your word this morning to encourage them and to show them how they can be productive while simultaneously being passionate about the gospel of Jesus. And God, I trust that you can bring about a spiritual awakening through the missionary efforts of your people in the workplace. So help us at Concord to be that kind of people, and we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So you go ahead and be seated this morning. Key question, how can a Christian manager influence others for the cause of Christ in the workplace? All right, so jot these down in your listening guide. First is this. If you're a leader, I want to encourage you to care deeply about those who are under your leadership. Care deeply about those under your leadership. Look at verse 9 again. He opens up it like this. He says, in masters. Uh, do the same things to them. Now, stop for a second. What is Paul referring to? He's actually referring back to what he's already said about the employees or the slaves' relationships to the master. So the slave is supposed to get after it for God's glory. The slave is supposed to be obedient to the master. Well, in the same way, what happens here is Paul the apostle is bringing to the surface the character and conduct that the manager should display in the workplace just as an employee should display that same character and conduct. In fact, uh, Woost Word Studies actually says concerning this little phrase, do the same things, that the managers were to treat them with the same Christian principles and consideration that the slaves show the masters. And I love what Warren Wiersbe wrote about this particular verse. He says it like this, quote, he says, the Christian faith does not bring about a harmony by erasing social or cultural distinctions. Servants are still servants when they trust Christ and masters are still masters Rather the Christian faith brings harmony by working in the heart Christ gives us a new motivation He gives us a not a new organization But servant and master are serving the Lord, and they are seeking to please him. All right, so I'm studying this, and I'm thinking, all right, how can I come to Concord and really uh, challenge those who are in leadership roles in the workplace to really make a difference? And uh, obviously, this idea of caring deeply about those that you lead is a massive a massive thing that you should have in your life. In fact, what I would say to you this morning is based upon Jesus' golden rule, he says, treat people the way you want them to treat you. So there is no doubt in my mind that a Christian manager would desire for his or her employees to care about them. So that means if you want them to care about you you've got to care about them and whenever you express that attitude towards those who are under your care you're gonna see that that attitude often comes right back to you so what are some clear ways that you can care for those in the workplace now let me just kind of share this with you guys because y'all seem like you're paying attention alright so uh, whenever I was at Luther Rice working on my, my doctoral project my doctoral project was uh, and this is going to be crazy it's a long title y'all ready for it say amen All right. So take a deep breath. All right. It's biblical management principles to be exercised in the workplace to increase productivity and build a platform for evangelism. (laughs) That was the title of the whole paper. So it's like 150 pages. And I was writing on that. But the thing that I ended up doing was studying these slave master relationships throughout the New Testament and even the Old Testament. And I came away with principles that any manager could apply that would actually help them be productive in the workplace, but simultaneously share the gospel. And so what I ended up doing was taking that project and sharing with managers in the workplace. I had a chef who did it. I had a guy who worked at T-Mobile who did it. I had um, an interior decorator did it. I had a couple of others, I can't remember. Y'all down with me? Say amen. But anyway, so I had others, and they put these principles into play in the workplace for six weeks. Everybody with me? Say yes? So, guess what happened in six weeks? Every single one of them uh, increased productivity, and every single manager shared the gospel with somebody that they worked with in six weeks. And these were based upon principles out of these verses of scripture. And so what I'm telling you this morning is what I'm sharing with you, it's not just, you know, hum, drum, let me throw some stuff out there and get a Sunday over with. This is me saying, listen, if you have any type of leadership role in the workplace, if you will exercise these principles, God can use you to not only be productive, but also to share the gospel. And God wants the gospel to flow across relationships. So the relationships that you have as a manager with those that you work with, those are bridges. And so as you really do, you live out the Christian uh, faith in the workplace, you're walking across the bridges to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those that you work with. So when I say care deeply for those who are under your care, really that was the principle of just having caring relationships in the workplace. And that was a massive thing. When a manager genuinely cares for those that they lead, what ends up happening is there is actually a relationship that is formed. And out of that relationship blossoms an opportunity for the manager to begin speaking gospel truth into the lives of those who are under their leadership. So ways that you can actually practice that. Y'all down with me say amen. That baby's just saying amen. That's all I hear. All right, so don't you even worry about it. When I hear it, I'm like, praise the Lord. All right, good deal. So here's the deal. Jot these down. First of all, if you're a manager or supervisor, invest in your employees. Invest in them. Paul, the apostle, by the way, has already encouraged us in this letter by speaking to the fact that we should be mutually submissive to one another. Now, what does that mean? It means that we should look out for the best interest of other people. So if we take that same principle and look at the idea of caring for those under our leadership as managers and supervisors... That means that you are actually looking out for the best interest of your employees. You want the very best for them. So you invest in them. Now, I didn't ask um, anybody on staff if I could share this, but I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, Brandon Roney, when he came on staff at at Concord uh, as a student pastor, I remember sitting him down and I said, Brandon, I want you to be the best student pastor on the planet. Y'all, y'all listening to me? So what I want to do is I want to help you in that. So I'm going to invest in you. We're going to spend time with each other. It's been pretty awesome to see how Brandon's grown. But then also simultaneously now to see Brandon as he's overseeing some in our staff. And now he's investing in them. But so why does he do it? Because he wants them to be the very best that they possibly can be. So no matter what you do, if you sell insurance, if you work at the bank, if you have a managerial role, don't say stoved up and hiding from your employees. Really invest in their lives. Help them to be better in their job. Invest in it. And then as you do that, again... The whole concept is as you're doing this, you're actually building a relationship with those individuals. They begin to see that you actually care about them. You know, a couple of awesome statements, one by John Maxwell, he says, if you're going to care for your employees, quote, this is awesome, it means getting to know people as people, not just human work machines, So if you're a manager and you're treating those in the workplace like they're just there to kind of get the job done for you so you can meet your goals, listen, you're missing a golden opportunity to really make an impact in those individuals' lives. They're not human work machines. They are people made in the image of God. And God, by His grace, has given you an opportunity to be in relationship with them. Not just so you can make more products, but so you can make an actual difference. So God has that for you, man. Don't miss that. Care deeply for those under your care by investing in them. Uh, Let me go to the second point here, uh, and that is be an example to them. If you wanna care for them, you gotta be an example to them. As a boss, again, you want all your employees with the utmost integrity and character to work. You know what that means? That means you've gotta work with the utmost integrity and character as well. I love what John MacArthur says. Quote, he says, a Christian employer's first work is to do God's will and manifest Christ-likeness in all that he does. He makes business decisions, first of all, on the basis of God's standards of righteousness, truth, and honesty, seeking to manifest the nature and will of his heavenly Father in everything that he does. He deals with his employees on the basis of their own welfare and best interest as well as those of the business. He deals with them fairly because, check this out, that is the Lord's will. So again, if you're a manager, you have a leadership role, make sure you're setting the example of what you would actually like to see the employees do. Be that individual. Now, I told you last week I used to work at Six Flags over Georgia. That's where I cut my teeth on working. Y'all with me? Say amen. So anyway, I remember working there and uh, ended up becoming a foreman of the group. So we had one-fourth of all of Six Flags that we had to keep clean all day long, which, by the way, ain't easy because you people are messy. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so we had these employees. And I remember what would happen is I would kind of station them out in certain areas and put them there. And my goal was to kind of walk around and, and check in and make sure they were doing what they were doing, encourage them when it looked good, and point them out. Well, hey, look, man, we missed a spot over here. we got to spend time. we got to carry the garbage out in this area. That was it. Here's what I noticed, though, as a foreman. I noticed that whenever I would get out there and bust it myself, I mean, take the garbage out, which by the way, isn't that crazy? I'm a germaphobe and I was a garbage man. Y'all listening? But here I was, I was taking the garbage out. I was sweeping up. And listen, here's the thing. As a foreman, I wasn't required to do that. But what I learned is that if I wanted those under my leadership to really get after it, I had to come alongside them oftentimes and do the exact same thing. I'm telling you, man, we never pulled trash quicker than whenever I was out there with those guys pulling trash with them. I'm just trying to say to you, when you're an example to them, again, you're not only modeling what you would like to see in the workplace, but you're also building a relationship. See, whenever I'm out there working with those individuals and spending time with them, it's giving me an opportunity to speak truth into their lives. Don't miss that opportunity. Listen, there are times as a manager where you really do. You just got to get out there and be the example and serve right alongside them. Do the same things that they're doing. And you'll discover oftentimes that that not only invests in them, but it also Plants that opportunity for you to share the good news of Christ. Here's a third one, and this is also from the scripture, and that is ensure compensation. Insure compensation. Now, as a manager or boss, you may not always be the one to set pay for employees in the workplace. But if you are, uh, let me share with you a few things uh, from the Bible. Jesus says, Matthew 10.10, 10, a worker is worthy of support. So if the people under your leadership and authority work their particular job, they're worthy of being paid. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Lord Jesus is saying. Matter of fact, the Bible not only says that they should be paid, check this out, the Bible says they should be paid on time. Listen to what Leviticus 19.13 says. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. So again, the Bible is amazing, man. It speaks to the fact that if you hire a person to do a job and they do the job, then you as a Christian employer really are obligated by God to make sure you pay them and you pay them on time. Now, I would also say just free information. Y'all ready for something free? Say amen. If you invite somebody over to your house to do a job, pay those people who work. Don't let them come over there and then act like you can't find your wallet. That is not a good Christian witness. Listen, if you hire somebody, pay them. And if you're a manager and you have that opportunity to set standards for how people are compensated, make sure that you're taking care of those who are under your leadership. Now, again, whenever you care about those under your leadership, you're actually building bridges of opportunity to share Jesus with them. And now here's the second major truth. Jot this one down, and that is uh, don't bully those under your leadership. Don't bully them. Look at verse 9 again. The Bible says the masters uh, do the same things to them and give up on threatening. Give up on threatening. Now, the masters of Paul's day would revert to threatening their slaves if they didn't do what they wanted them to do. So they'd threaten them in all kinds of ways, right? So they wouldn't pay them. That was a threat. They would say, hey, if you don't, I'm going to beat you because they actually used to whip them with whips and whatnot. And uh, they also would say, if you don't do this, then I'm going to bring harm on your family. That was another way that they threatened. And then they said, uh, if you don't work, I'm not going to you know, give you any food. So at the end of the day, it'd be like, uh, no soup for you. John Phillips is an awesome commentator. Listen to what he says. He says, The use of a whip to keep subordinates in line has the problem with power from the beginning. Love, not force or fear, is the best way to encourage people to work. Force and fear, the weapons most often used by masters or employers, are counterproductive in the end because they breed resentment and rage. And you know what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're a master, then your opportunity to look radically different than all the other masters is just to quit threatening your slaves. Quit bullying them. Now, same thing in the workplace. If you're a boss you're a manager, you're a supervisor, you cannot go in and bully those who are under your leadership. Whenever you bully those who are under your leadership, barking at them, screaming at them, acting very domineering over them, always threatening them, when you do this, it actually breeds in the heart of the person that you're treating that way, fear. And whenever they are fearful of you and intimidated by you, you know what it does? It causes them to avoid you. Now, the reason that I'm saying all this is, if your employees are avoiding you, it's going to keep you from having an opportunity to speak the gospel into their lives. So give up, and that idea means loosen up, let go, man, stop threatening, stop bullying your employees, because whenever you drive fear in their hearts, they also have resentment and bitterness towards you that springs up. So, you want to avoid those things. You want to make sure that you're working hard, but you're not bullying those under your leadership. Now, let me give you the last little statement here, and that is uh, don't forget that God is watching. Don't forget that God is watching. Look at verse 9 again. The Bible says, A Masters, uh, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Now, I love what Paul the Apostle does here. Paul says, uh, Hey, masters, Uh, you have a master. And do not forget that because your master is actually looking at you. He's watching you. I love David Jeremiah. He gives this quote. He says, one of these days, not very long from right now, you and I are going to stand before our ultimate employer, the one who made us for himself, the one who bought us out of the slave market of sin and, and with his own blood. The one who sent his Holy Spirit to be our companion and guide and helper through all the days of our lives. And every workday of our lives will be spread out before his eyes. He'll see every injustice, every slight, every unfairness. He'll see those days when we were careless and half-hearted in our work. He'll see those days when we poured ourselves into the task as unto him in our love for him. So again, just as an employee is being watched over by God, so are the managers. So managers into into place right here today, managers at Concord, supervisors, listen closely. You have a manager in heaven, and his name is the Lord Jesus. So you want to make sure that you are working in such a way that you honor him, and that you invest in those that he's placed under your leadership, under your care. As a staff, we read a book called The Fred Factor not long ago. Mark Sandburn. Uh, describes in this book the difference between uh, leaving a legacy and uh, building a resume. And I, I thought I'd end on this, because I don't want you to miss this. This is wild. He says, building a resume, here, here's what happens. Those who build a resume major on what they have accomplished. But those who are building a legacy focus on what they have contributed to others. Building a resume focuses on what you did. Building a legacy focuses on who you did it for. Building a resume relies on how much money you made for yourself, but building a legacy relies on the difference you made in the lives of others. See, God wants to use you in the workplace to influence others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But whenever we get focused on our personal resume, we become selfish leaders. But whenever we focus on leaving a legacy... We become unselfish leaders, destined to carry out the Great Commission. Listen to me closely. Supervisors, managers, listen closely. You cannot subtract the Great Commission from what God has given you in the workplace. Whenever you do that, you're you're dividing, sacred and secular, and the Bible doesn't do that. God has given you the gospel of Jesus, you've responded by faith, and now you're a manager, you're a steward of the grace of Jesus. And God said, I'm, I'm going to give you this job, and I'm going to give you this managerial role, not just so you can accomplish, you know, and you know, make the product or make the goal. I'm giving you this role because ultimately there are people in that workplace who need to know about me. And I get to use you, God says, to introduce them to me. Don't miss that. Work does not have to be a bore when you go to work as a missionary. Amen. Amen. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you so much for your word, the opportunity just to be in your house today. And we pray that you would help all of us, Lord, to really work in such a way as to honor you. And God, I'm so grateful for just the family worship today and an opportunity just to go through the scripture once again. So Lord, I pray for all those who are managers, all those who are supervisors. Give them grace, Lord. And maybe some here today have realized they have not been leading well And so, Lord, I pray that what they've heard today would be a source of encouragement to them. And they would care deeply for those under their leadership. They would not bully them. They would never forget that you're watching over them. Use us in this community for the sake of the gospel, and we'll give you glory for it. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed this morning. You may be here today, and you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, Here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches God created you uh, to know him. But just like um, everybody else, you were born in sin and uh, you're born a sinner. And the Bible says the wages of our sin is death. So if you hold on to your sin, you'll be separated from God forever in a real place called hell. But God graciously loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus over 2,000 years ago to go to the cross, to pay the penalty of your sin. Jesus died there in your place for you. The scripture says that if you'll turn from your sin and place your trust in Christ, you can be saved. You can be forgiven, given a brand new life. Some of you need to do that this morning. So if you're here today and you say, Levi, man, that's me. I need to give my heart to Christ. Let me encourage you right where you are. Just pray something simple like this. Just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And so today I'm turning from my sin, placing my trust in you. Thank you for sending Christ to die for me. And thank you for the resurrection. Now help me to live a life unashamed of who you are. Listen, today, if you've turned from your sin and placed your trust in Jesus, first step of obedience is to be baptized. And some of you need to take that step. So in just a moment, we'll stand to our feet during this time of invitation. I'm going to invite you to come forward. I'll be here in the front of others as well. We want to pray for you, set you up an opportunity to be baptized in the days ahead. Or God may be calling your family or you to join this church body and become a partner here in the ministry. So if that's the case and God's leading you, you'd be obedient to him this morning. And Father, again, we thank you uh, just for this time of invitation. We ask that you would speak to hearts and that you'd be glorified. And that's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. And while we sing, you come if God's calling you.